You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Discussing the topics that matter to you because they matter to us, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Welcome to episode 41 of Brumpod. I'm Richard Heathcotes, and I'm here as ever with Jason and Ewan. Hello. Hello. Hello, gents. So today we're going to be talking about how important is hope in business. So the mood, obviously, at the moment in the country is, generally speaking, improving as the days and weeks go on. There are are more and more vaccines being rolled out. The future roadmap of easing of restrictions is uh, underway. Fingers crossed that keeps going as planned. But is false hope worse than no hope for a business? Uh, There's a lot of people that stopped making plans or discussing life after lockdown because there was no end in sight, but now more plans are being made. Especially hospitality businesses are making plans to open up with outside dining and eventually inside dining with uh, when things happen, hopefully in, in May. How do you think things are going? Let's go to Jason first. Well, I think the timing was accurate because when we first thought of this as a topic, we'd kind of noticed that the mood on social media had gone really, I won't say dark, but quiet. Um, a lot of people have commented that people weren't finishing up Zoom meetings with discussions about what they'll do after lockdown. There was you know, less um, positivity. It was almost like people were hoping for the light at the end of the tunnel, but they couldn't see it. So we weren't even discussing you know, what was going to happen anymore. And then the roadmap announcement came out. And I think it kind of, whether it was realistic or not, I think the intention was to lighten the mood that people could see that you need, they needed to be given hope. And yeah, I think there's there's a lot of mileage in, yeah, in, in, in the timing of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that yeah, the, the timing of the roadmap is, is, has has some slack in it, if I can put it that way. Um, so they're not saying everything's going to open next week. Oh, sorry, we can't open it. Um, yeah, they couldn't be seen to be breaking promises. Yeah, but there's there's also, I think, time to plan, time to think, time to develop things uh, built into into what they've come up with. But I think what is going to happen is there are going to be bumps al- along the way. So other countries um, are suddenly putting more restrictions on, partly because they haven't vaccinated as much, but also because of new variants. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's, that's put the kibosh on the recovery, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it's how, how it works. We, we've come up on the year, and uh, of course, you know, happy lockdown anniversary, guys. I, I, you know, I wanted to get that one out uh, <laughs> early. But yeah, it's it's been a year. It's been a year where businesses have gone from reduced trading to no trading to furlough to flexible furlough. They want to make plans to start again. You've got you know you've got so much that we've we've missed out on last year, and you know with the with the better weather coming, people are hoping that that will also signal a return. You know they don't mind 
us almost being in hibernation over the winter. But in terms of businesses, yeah, the people now need something to hope for. And, you know, the whole point of this is hope is an integral part of any startup business or the start of any venture. You don't go into anything looking or planning to fail. You always go in hoping to succeed. Yes. And one of the problems I have in coaching sometimes is you get somebody in a startup, they're really enthusiastic. uh, But my training as a lawyer is always to look at what can go wrong. And sometimes I have to bite my tongue and try not to uh, destroy that enthusiasm and hope, but actually keep people realistic at the same time. It has to be tempered with reality. You know, my industry as well, you know, flexible warehousing where people would, you know, where people might have to get a business loan and have a very rock solid plan to get a lease on a warehouse. You could start up a business using self-storage on a credit card and a prayer, but we're also not in the business of creating bankruptcies and, and debtors. So we would take a long, hard look at a customer and decide whether we think they're long-term as well and we'll try and help them stay long-term but yeah there's there's that managing expectation as well because false hope is worse than no hope false hope is a busted fire extinguisher in a a building where you might have just you know gone to the nearest fire exit and done the sensible thing you stayed behind to tackle the fire it's it's knowing it's knowing that balance between keeping someone's enthusiasm and you know keeping their optimism, but not letting them run further than they can uh, than they can realistically achieve. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the problems that we have at the moment is, as you say, businesses have, have in a lot of cases not really been functioning over the last year, but. You know, um, debts have potentially built up and the classic time for companies to go bump is coming out to recession. Yeah. So they're going to be short of working capital and cash. Suddenly want to expand, you know, go at it gung-ho and they run out of money. A lot of people have already had the bounce back loans and... um... They've run through furlough and they've managed to to basically mothball the business. And sometimes the most successful businesses, and we saw this, you know, with the credit crunch, are not the ones that recu- that come out of the uh, come out of it first, but it's the ones that come out of it in the best shape. So one of the things that has been encouraging, I think, for many businesses is the way they've managed to adapt throughout all this. Uh, you know, especially hospitality type venues where they've been, uh, as I've said numerous times in previous episodes, where they've been offering various you know, pubs and things, doing takeaway services, which they wouldn't normally do that kind of thing. Uh, a lot of other places are doing sort of meal kits. Uh, so everything's sort of pre-cooked. You just got to reheat it all at home. Um, yeah. So there have been a lot of good examples of how some businesses have managed to adapt and keep going and it isn't the same as far as the experience is, obviously, but at least there are a lot of businesses which are, they're still able to sell food and drink. Uh, well, there's been a lot of innovation. Uh, yeah. Look at the things like uh, Colmore Row with the parklets, where they 
turn parking spaces into little outdoor seating areas so businesses could still serve customers and customers still could you know eat and drink the produce and that was a fantastic idea the idea of um, home deliveries um, a lot of restaurants weren't licensed as takeaways but the legislation allowed them to become takeaways they didn't turn a blind eye they just relaxed the rules on it and you know a lot of big high street you know restaurants suddenly turned to home delivery and not just those they've got smaller businesses you know we know people Mike Eaglesfield, if you're listening, that uh, you remember he was in insurance. He went on MasterChef. He started up his own uh, business, yep. Kitchen and Canary, where he would cook in other people's homes for their dinner parties. Of course, COVID put the kibosh on that. They now cook and deliver food. People found ways to continue trading throughout all of this. Not everybody was that lucky, but there was a lot of ingenuity. And a lot of that spirit will be carried on post-lockdown. There'll be a lot of things that people will will do uh, during lockdown. They'll continue to do afterwards. And it will fundamentally change a lot of businesses and how they operate post-pandemic. I haven't heard the term parklets before. I thought you said pikelets. <laughs> I thought you were talking about little pancakes. <laughs> oh, that that's courtesy of uh, Birmingham City Council. Yeah, they uh, the little parking spaces were just turned into uh, the little recessed bays. They were actually um, repurposed as uh, seating areas, and I think that was a brilliant idea. You'll probably Absolutely. see more and more of that as the city centre gets pedestrianised. Some people can do it and lend it quite well. There's there's places like the Canal House that's got one of the best open plan seating areas in the city, according to one of the uh, the recent blogs. You've got pubs like Norton's where they did actually have a car park and that is now the seating and concert area. You'll have smaller pubs that just had a little outdoor yard which was more like the smoking area. Now that is going to be their beer garden because that's how they're going to get open and get serving at the earliest possible opportunity. But yeah, it's um, yeah, just going back to that main theme. It's that these relaxations of the rules, these allowing people to to innovate, to almost find loopholes with consent, that gives people hope, and that is a good thing. You know, we've we've all stuck to the rules and we've all looked down on people that have tried to skirt around them and bypass. But now we're kind of looking at, you know, finding ways where you can say that's clever, doesn't hurt anyone still inside the rules. Good on you, you know, and kind of reward that innovation. And yeah, hope is what brings people out of the um, out of the kind of tailspin that they got themselves into. And yeah, giving hope is very, very important. It's you know, it, it, it's a cornerstone of networking. It's a support group. Of course, there's not always going to be uh, good news. I mean, a lot of businesses have massively struggled through this. And uh, I had heard a, a short while ago that there was uh, a restaurant in Kings Heath, I think it was. I won't name them because I can't remember exactly which one it was, uh, that had tried to ride out the storm as best they could used every bit of knowledge of adapting what they do and how they operate as, as best they possibly could. But in the end, it just got too much and they just had to uh, had to close down and no plans to reopen. 
Um, See, it is heartbreaking when people are so close to coming out the other side and they just run out of capital or resource or resilience and they have to knock it on the head. But, you know, it's, it's the same in any business. You know, you can't legally trade if you don't have the funds. You know, if you've got more going out than you've got coming in, you have to declare yourself insolvent. It doesn't matter if there's a big tranche of money coming in in two months time it's if you can't bridge that gap you cannot trade and like i said it's um it's not always the biggest or the best that survive sometimes it's the it's the luckiest and sometimes it's the best prepared you know how many high street names are have disappeared from the high street during the pandemic you know you, you could name them you've got top shop you've got the arcadia group when the high streets reopen when a lot of these, you know, city centres reopen for business, a lot of the familiar names won't be there. But that doesn't mean they're going to be empty buildings. They'll get repurposed. Maybe smaller independents. Maybe the high streets will make a huge change. Maybe there will be more community. A lot of people have said after the pandemic, they're more likely to walk to their corner shop than they were to drive to a big supermarket. So yeah, yeah, it, it, there are opportunities there, and for the for the businesses that have survived or are starting up, there's still that you know hope that there is um, that there is a customer base for them. Yeah, the problem is that the customer base has potentially changed because again, if if you've got um, just taking Central Birmingham as the example, John Lewis is shut down. Mm-hmm. Debenhams is going. Yeah. Um, there's not that much of House of Fraser left. So apart from Primark, who's who's going to come into the city centre to shop? And who's who's going to be in all the offices in the city centre, which have fueled the rise of of the coffee shop in places like Colmarow? Well, the coffee so shops. There may be struggles ahead. Yeah, we've said this before. Why do people go and meet in a coffee shop for coffee when they could just as easily have coffee at home or you know in the office? It's because it's the venue, it's the opportunity to meet, it's that's all the stuff that we're missing. Now, a lot of the shops you spoke about, they've been able to switch online. You know, John Lewis is leaving the city centre. It's not closing as a brand you can still buy stuff online even the high street stores those names that have you know closed somebody's bought the intellectual property to keep running them online so those shops that type of shop may not necessarily return but that doesn't mean that those premises won't be taken over by somebody else there was a time when you could go to a um you know you would go to a city center shop and get the film in your camera developed and you would send a fax because your office didn't have one because it was new. And those places don't exist anymore. I mean, you do get the photo places still, but it's all digital and they've diversified into other stuff. You will probably get 3D print shops opening up, uh, you know, to where people will buy their designs online or create them and then they'll export them to a 3D printer in a high street shop rather than have one at home and then you know arrange to pick up their item from the shop 
or arrange to have it printed and delivered. There's we, always we had a guy that come to Brummies that did that. Yeah, there's always a business that will take over. It's it's where that innovation comes from. Oh, but, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you still no, can't I, I, get a haircut online. <laughs> Sadly not. I, I, I well. In, in, in my case, there's so little to do it's, it's that I will do one of these <laughs> well, I don't know. I came into this lockdown with uh, short hair. I've come out looking like Gandalf's older brother. <laughs> <laughs> but I take your point about innovation, Jason. And, and yeah. yes, it'll, it'll, things will just change. But my point is, is more about footfall. Yeah. And whether people, particularly in, in hospitality, need to change their expectations of what the new normal is like and whether there is actually going to be the same demand, particularly in the city centre. There may, there may be more in, in suburban centres. I think the people will change the model of how they set up. Social distancing will be with us for quite a while. I think the, um, I keep saying hope, but the, the hope that things will go back to to the way they were is a false one because in the future when you go to a restaurant do you want to sit in a crowded restaurant where they're all strangers and you're still partially thinking it's weird not everyone's not wearing a mask they're too close together or would you like to sit somewhere that's quite spacious and airy and would you pay more for that and while restaurants going to change from how many tables they can fit in and how many covers they can turn round to what kind of quality and price point is now viable for them based on you know having a smaller number of tables and and and, and a more comfortable environment provided the customers prepared to pay exactly but okay well that's the other question would you pay more to eat in an environment you feel more comfortable in because that's the difference between you know sitting on one of those counters on a stool wedged right next to somebody in a fast food restaurant or having a you know a proper sit down meal in in you know in in a in a city center restaurant i would i would certainly be inclined to pay uh, slightly more to be yeah. in a <coughs> wider space Less people, uh, fewer people around me, for sure. I wouldn't. Yeah. I, the, the thought now of being in a restaurant where your chair is right at the back of somebody else behind you, is it's, it's just horrific to even think about that now. Um, but, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't want to go to anywhere that's, that has a mentality of, you know, pack them all in, sell it cheap. But that's the point. You don't necessarily have to be the first person to open with the most tables and turn over the most covers to be successful. Because in the short term, the place might fill up and then you won't get the repeat business because people don't feel comfortable. The ones that give the best experience may be the ones that survive longer. So it's it's about getting... It's about get every, getting everything set up. So many people are looking forward to coming back and having a a nice experience, but also a safe experience. That they will be far more choosy. You know, people have got used to having takeaways and having stuff delivered, and going out and getting what they need and visiting places again is going to take some encouragement. I saw a poll on LinkedIn. 
uh, a week or two ago that uh, said, basically asking how many people are actively looking forward to getting back to, you know, inverted commas, normal with in-person networking events and that kind of thing. And it was, it wasn't an even split. There were, there were more people that were saying, yes, they are looking forward to it, but there was still a good proportion of people that were, that still had lots of reservations. So I think it's, it's going to be a while until things get back to normal with uh, in-person events. And as we've said, I think in the last episode, you know, we're, we're certainly not going to be one of the first to uh, reignite our events. We're going to wait till it's as safe as it can be. Well, that's where we're we trying to inspire confidence rather than hope. We will be looking at what we can comfortably do for people. Yeah. When, when we reopen, we do want it to be a safe experience and we do want it to be enjoyable. And it is going to be strange that not everyone will want to shake hands and that people will still wear masks because not everyone is going to feel comfortable openly networking. And people may be a little more sort of distant and reserved than they were before. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's not rushing in. It's not immediately trying to offer that false hope of things are back to normal because for a lot of people, they never will be, and they don't want them to be. It's, it's, it'll be about treading that line between rebuilding people's confidence in going back to what happened before, but also acknowledging that we will never go back to what we had before and we need to, you know, find the new way forward and all you know party politics and everything aside because we don't want anything to get political on on this podcast at all but you know i, I totally see boris's point when he said the this new roadmap is designed to be something which can lead us out of this without going back on it and having to go back into lockdowns and things because that that's what the country needs now they do need that confidence that things are it, the you know the the road the the dates of the different segments of the roadmap might be delayed slightly depending on what happens. Yes. But I think that that's what businesses need now and as, as well as every human, just to know that we are on the right track. We are planning on continuing through this path without having to go back into lockdowns. We want to avoid that at all costs. And and as I think we've said before, you know, we when we reopen our events, we don't want to face the prospect of having to uh, close them down again. Because I know some events have, in in between lockdowns, some events had come back, and then swiftly had to close again because of the uh, the latest round of restrictions. Well, once we open, we want to make sure we reopen for good, uh, than having to run the risk of okay, this month we're open, next week, uh, next month, yeah, we're going to be closed again. We just yeah. want that continuity, that hope and confidence that once we are back to it again, then that's. That's our ongoing plan. That's what we're going to be doing rather than having any doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. We don't want to give false hope. You want to give real hope and you want things to be achievable. We've had a lot of false dawns. And I know I said you were being very careful not to get into the political thing. But yeah, with the point of Boris Johnson. When he is famed for not exactly having a close relationship to the exact truth, having a very, very liberal roadmap plan that isn't fixed and can be 
you know, shifted without being seen to be breaking a promise. You're being less careful now, I feel. <laughs> He's a good thing. Well, to illustrate the point, if it wasn't him, it could be anyone else in politics. But the roadmap was not a case of we will do this by this date and then we miss it and it's been yet another false start. It's about if we can get to this point, we can get to the next point and we can get to the next point. But if we don't reach it, it's not because we didn't try, it's because circumstances overtook us. And again, with starting up the networking, we don't want to be in a situation where we start up and say, we're back, oh, we're not. It's a case of we want to open and we want to see how the first events go. And if they go well, we'll be able to keep doing them. But then if things change, we might have to put them back. So let's not immediately release a schedule just so we have to issue a retraction later. Yep, it's about yeah. doing it right. That's it. We, we, we have had Absolutely. people ask us directly about what, what our plans are, what we're going to be doing. But obviously, we as, as soon as we know, we'll tell you. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I think we, we've we've all discussed between ourselves, you know, what our rough plan will be. But obviously, we've not made anything public because everything is subject to so many variables that it's not even worth mentioning anything publicly at the moment. We've got to see how things go. Um, but once we have firm plans, we'll obviously let everybody know in a flash. But for the time being, there's just no point us mentioning any form of what our possible plans are because it's completely subject to change we we and everybody else need to have sensible expectations of what's going to happen yeah and you know without being wildly optimistic about it or dreadfully pessimistic but you know we're going to be sensible yeah which is a first for some of us. Well, yes. <laughs> and, you know, for us, it's going to be a case of it's highly likely that we're not going to be getting the same sorts of numbers we used to get at our events in the early days of starting back up. We have to absolutely expect that. It could be less than half what we normally have. Um, and same with every other business. I mean, the people coming into various shops and things, the likelihood is it's going to be drastically lower than what it was pre-pandemic. It's It's... All about getting the plans in place to hopefully increase that over time, but to fully expect that it's it's not going to be flick of a switch. Everyone's coming back. Everything's normal. Isn't this brilliant? It is going to take a while. So I think it's it's all about finding that sweet spot between optimism and pragmatism. Yeah, yeah. We're coming back. It's an opportunity to rebuild. It's not just a straightforward reset. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up episode 41 so thank you for listening we hope your you and your business are doing well given the circumstances and we shall see you next time you've been listening to brumpod the podcast for small businesses by small businesses brought to you by brummies networking the home of free stripped back business networking produced by happy content co follow us on twitter at brumpod you can subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>